right. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to talk about how will you be remembered. These poor little kids are lost as they can be. And their parents are back there hiding. You're not even, you're not even helping them at all. I'm making fun of these folks. And you guys, you guys may not know uh, the Henrys, Mike and Brooke Henry. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. I'm going to embarrass you. Mike and Brooke Henry. Mike is going to be our new assistant superintendent at the school here in Marshfield. And uh, they are in the process of moving up here. And Mike and Brooke were both in my uh, uh, youth group when I was a youth pastor down at Highway Church of the Nazarene. And we are so looking forward to them. And they, they still live in Ava in their process. And they come up and visit us every now and then. But someday they're going to be up here. And they were, I'm bragging on you now, they were some of my favorite kids in youth group. And they lived the life all the way through high school and have lived that life as long as I've known them. And I'm so proud of these guys. And our school is blessed to have Mike Henry in it. And so uh, anyway, I'm making fun of you because you don't even try to get your kids to come set by you. They were looking for you guys and you guys were going to hunker down back there. Uh, just giving you a hard time. All right, we're going to be in Genesis this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 41. And we're going to talk about how will you be remembered? And let's stand this morning before we read and honor God's word. Genesis 41. We're going to begin reading with verses 55, 56, and 57. Let's read this together. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that came from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Now, this morning, I'm going to read three verses. And you might think, what in the world does this have to do with anything? Uh, And when I get done, I'm going to tell you what it has to do with it. But this is when Egypt is in this terrible drought and the famine, and Joseph has put together a plan to save everybody, and he does. And so we're going to read these uh, three verses together, I mean, uh, this morning. We're going to begin reading with verse 55. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe in all the world. When it came down to it, Joseph saved Egypt and saved the, the country of Israel because he obeyed God. And he will always be remembered throughout all of history as the guy that put together a plan that saved these two nations, literally saved the world as they knew it at that time. He will always be remembered for that act. But we're going to talk about some of the other choices that he had in his life. And let's uh, go to prayer. Father, speak to us this morning. Father, help us to realize that how we will be remembered will be from moments in our life. 
moments when we either obey you or we disobey you. And Father, those moments have lasting, lasting effects on not only our life, but everybody around us. So Father, help us to seize each moment, control it, and help us to obey you in each moment of our life so that we will be like Joseph and be remembered with honor. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Memorial Day, and we remember those who have gone before us. And it's interesting that uh, most memories, and I've probably talked about this before, most memories are not long. I remember, you know, people don't say, I remember years and years of things that happened. Most people remember moments. A moment here and a moment there, a brief moment. And as a preacher, I get to do uh, a lot of funerals. And funerals are generally made up of people telling me brief moments of memories that they have of their loved ones. And we are going to be remembered by moments in our life. And this, moment, and this morning, every one of you uh, that has loved someone who has gone before, if you've lost someone in your life that you have loved, you have moments that you remember about them. And these moments are important. And in scripture this morning, we, we, we read about a moment in time when the whole world remembered and knew that Joseph had put together a plan to save them. And, and Israel will always remember that at this time, Joseph put together a plan that was able to save Israel. And not only did it save Israel, but it saved Egypt. And he will always be remembered about that. But there's some other things that he did to get to this point. There are some other moments in his life that he used to arrive there. He didn't just wake up one day and God had put a whole big bunch of grain in his backyard and he was able to feed everybody. There were some things that he did along the way that brought him to this moment that he would be remembered by. There were other moments that happened. And uh, moments are important. And lots of times we think, oh, well, you know, what I do at this moment is not going to affect the rest of your life. The truth is, the things that we do moment to moment can have huge effects on our life. Has anybody ever heard of Apple Corporation? Apple, anybody? Two people? Okay. Apple is a big computer company. No, Apple is huge. Apple is huge. And most everybody has heard of Steve Jobs. And uh, there was another guy that was in, there was originally, there was three guys that started Apple. And I don't know if everybody knows this story. If you do, then you just smile and carry on. But uh, there was three guys. There was Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. And then there was another guy that most people have never heard of. And his name was Ronald Wayne. And Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, they were, they were kind of the, the brains in the outfit. And, and then uh, Ronald Wayne came up with the owner's manual to the products they were making. He, he wrote the very first owner's manual. And he also came up with the Apple insignia. He was the person who came up with that. That was his idea. And these guys got together and he was also the person who wrote up the original partnership of the three guys that came up with Apple Corporation. And because those other guys were kind of the brains to the whole deal, he wrote himself in and the partnership was formed and he owned 10% of Apple. 
for his uh, ability to make an apple whatever that is called the insignia there he made that and he and he wrote a little a little pamphlet book you know to how to operate your machine and for that he got 10 percent of the co- of the corporation he owned 10 percent of apple and this is right when they first started up and they said that two weeks after he was that, that he wrote up the partnership he got he got in need of money and he sold his 10 percent for 800 dollars they said at what Apple is trading for right now, if he still had his 10%, he would have $47 billion. A moment, a moment in life. And I was thinking about that and I was thinking, what an idiot. And then I was thinking about myself, I'd have probably sold it for 60 bucks or something. That'd have been my, that'd have been something I didn't know. But this guy, you know, one moment in life can mean a big thing. And, 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 and Joseph got to this moment where he is saving nations, but there were some other moments in his life that got him to this point. And there was a moment when he was at his, uh, his master's house, he was working for Potiphar, he was a slave, and Potiphar's wife had become infatuated with him and, and, and tried to get him to, uh, to, uh, commit adultery with him. And, and he is in a country where nobody knows him. Nobody knows him. He's in Egypt. Nobody knows him. His family is gone. There's nobody around. There's nobody that's ever going to find out about this. His, he could rationalize it in his mind and say, well, I am a slave and I have to do everything she tells me to do. So I'm going to go ahead and do this act and, and, and then I won't get in trouble. And if I don't do this, I'm probably going to get in trouble. And so, and so he could have rationalized the whole thing out in his mind. But he said, I will not. I will not go against what my God says. Nobody would have known about this except him and Potiphar's wife and God. And so he decides, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Am I going to be faithful? Am I going to be obedient to God and, and, uh, and do what God wants me to do in this moment? And he did. He did what God wanted him to do. And, and in that, you would say, well, there should be something in here where something great happened to him. He went from being a slave to going to prison. And you would say, well, that doesn't seem like... You'd think that if you obeyed God that something good would happen to you. And the truth is, lots of times when we obey God, good things do happen. But there's also times when things don't really go as good as what we think they should. And I want you to know that, that in life, sometimes doing what God wants you to do is not always the easy thing to do. But it's in prison... That, that, uh, that Joseph ends up in a place that he can save Egypt, but he had to go to prison first. Paul wrote most of the New Testament in prison. Did you know that? And I'm sure that those guys, when they were in there, they were thinking, I know I did what God wanted me to do, but this doesn't seem like it's working out really good right now. And sometimes when we do what God wants us to do, when we are obedient, it doesn't seem like it's working out the way we thought it would. And I just want you to know that sometimes when we do what God wants us to do in the moment, in that moment when we say no to sin, that even though it doesn't feel like it's working out, it is. And in that moment, he said no to sin. And in that moment, it saved Joseph, it saved Egypt, and it saved the nation of Israel. 
And you never know that when you're saying yes to God, you may not know that later down the road what the percussions may be. And he didn't know that at the time. But when we do that, in that one moment of saying yes, we say either I'm either going to say yes or I'm going to say no. In that moment of saying yes, he saved two nations, Egypt and Israel. And I want you to, is there, if you don't pull anything else out of what I say this morning, it is in that when I obey God, that it puts me in a place that God can come in and change things. Obedience is the entrance place for God to come in. Joseph was never going to change anything. Joseph was just, just a man. But obedience to him allowed God to come into the situation and then do God things. And every time I obey God, it is a place that he can enter into my situation. Every time that I obey God, it opens up the door for him to come in. And lots of times we, uh, we uh, try to work through life and, and, uh, and, and we don't allow God in. And we pray, you know, oh God, please bless me and, uh, and, and, uh, and help me at work. But uh, I'm going to lie to my boss about this. Well, God can't bless us. If, if we're lying, oh God, please, uh, work in my kids' lives, even though, uh, we're not doing anything that your word says. Well, that's dumb. You know, lots of times we're like, oh God, please help me with my family. Uh, but I'm not doing anything that's obedient to you. I have people come in all the time, uh, in, in marriages and, and, and we say, okay, uh, that we're having problems in our marriage. Okay. Are you, are you, are you, are you, uh, reading your Bible together? No. Are you praying together? No. Are you following what God has for you to do? No, but we want God to help us. You're not giving him any place to get in. If you're not obeying God, you are not opening up a place where God can get in and do anything. And lots of times we pray these prayers, but the truth is we're not obeying God and allowing him any place in. Oh God, change my family, make things better for me and my kids. Are you, are you allowing places for God to come into your family? Are you praying together? No. Are you going to church together? No. Are you doing anything together that, that God, are you, are, are you obeying what God has for you to do? Are you reading your word together? No. You're not giving him any place to come in. You're asking him to come in and keeping the door closed. And the word says that at these places of obedience is the place that God can comes in, that comes in. And we ask God for everything, you know, help my marriage, help my finances. Well, are you, are you living in the, financially the way God wants you to? Oh, God, please bless me in my finances while I spend them on everything I want it to do and want everything I want and don't, do, and don't listen to anything you want. Well, God can't help you like that. We get, we get in a bind and say, oh, God, help me, with my, help me with my money. Well, are you being faithful with what God has given you? No, but please help me anyway. He can't. You're not allowing him any place to come in. We have to be obedient in these areas. And it's when we're obedient that God comes in and God changes things. I can't tell you how many times people have said, you know, pastor, I, 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 I preached a, a series. I've preached it a couple of times. I preached a series on tithing. And, and I, had, I had a wonderful couple come. And they said, pastor, we've done the work. We've, we've looked at all these figures here. And there is no physical way that we can tithe and pay all of our bills. And I said, well, yeah, you can. 
And they said, no, it does not add up. It really does not add up. And these were not, you know, ignorant people. They were, they had some intelligence about them. They could count and run a computer or a calculator or whatever that, whatever it is. What do they call that thing? Abacus? Is that what, no, what is it? What is that? Never mind. I think it's got the beat. Anyway, they could, they could do that. And they said, it won't do it. And I said, yes, it does. It works. And they said, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to be obedient to God. And when they were obedient to God, then you're not working with man's numbers. You're working with God things. Then God starts changing things. And you know what? God has no shortage of anything. He says, try me. Try me and see if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven. Try me and see if I don't change things. If I don't change your work situation or I don't change your pay situation or if I don't change and lower bills or if I, then when you do that, you allow God to come in. And when they were obedient, then they opened the door and it wasn't just, uh, you know, this is what the calculator says. It's God says, well, this is what I can do. And when we obey, then we open up a door and God can come in and do God things. And when Joseph said, I'm going to do what God wants me to do, he opened up a door and God came in and said, I'll save everybody. I'll do a God thing that you could have never done by yourself. But it is only when we're obedient that 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 happens. And you have to obey. And this morning I want to ask you, how are you going to be remembered. Are you going to be remembered as someone who's, who obeys God? Or are you going to be someone who is remembered by these moments of not being obedient to God? I want to ask you this morning, what will those closest to you remember you for? Will you be remembered for hateful words or crooked business deals, or broken promises, or being ungodly, or having a bad temper. I'm going to tell you what, there's times in my life that if I was gone at that moment, that's what my family would have remembered me by. That's what they would have remembered. I remember daddy getting mad, and he had a bad temper. They would have remembered me by that. And in those moments, and I allowed God to come in, like I said, I, I can remember, I used to just get furious that life. And I said, God, you're going to have to help me. And I started obeying and started listening. And I opened up a place in my life that he could come in and heal me of that and have a place where he could come in and change me place where I thought I will never be able to get over this. And how many, I mean, how many times you hear people say, Oh, that's just the way I am. Well, you know, my daddy had a bad temper and my mom had a worse temper and then they crossed up and you got me and I've got the worst, you know, I, and that's just the way I am. Well, let God change you, you know, and they say, well, people have tried to change. I'm not talking about people changing you. I'm talking about letting God have an obedient place where God can come in and God change you. How many times have you seen people that you knew years ago and then all of a sudden you see them now and you're like, well, what happened to you? Well, you know what? I got saved. Well, you're, you talk different. You act different. You got a way better attitude. Well, you know, God. And what happens is they opened up a place of obedience where God could come in and God changed them. And it is that obedience, moments of obedience 
That's where God comes in and changes you. And if some of you are real honest this morning, you would not like to be remembered as you stand today. You would not be proud of your walk with God up to this moment. If you were honest, you'd have to say you've not been giving God the openings in your life through obedience that he can come in and change you. And he wants to work through your life in obedience. But you have to come to the place where you say, I do not, I am not proud of who I am. I'm not proud of the way I act. And God, I'm going to be obedient to you. and I'm going to allow you to come in and change me. Has anybody ever heard of a guy named Alfred Nobel? Has anybody ever heard of the Nobel Peace Prize? Okay. Alfred Nobel was the guy that came up with the Nobel Peace Prize. And Alfred Nobel had, the, had the, the really neat opportunity of one day he opened up the paper and read his own obituary. And the thing that happened was his brother had passed away. The newspaper thought it was him. And so the newspaper wrote a story about him and wrote his obituary. And when he opened it up, it said these things about Alfred Nobel. The paper said that he was a merchant of death making it possible to kill more people more quickly than anyone else in the history of mankind. Now, this was in 1888. Alfred Nobel had 355 patents that he owned, one of which was the patent on dynamite. Alfred Nobel invented dynamite. And Alfred Nobel had made dynamite, and his idea was that they would use it to blow things up for for buildings and for making bridges and things like that. That was his heart. But, of course, what happens is people take things and they weaponized it and made it. And because of his invention, they, became, they, they came up with all kinds of weapons. And in this obituary, it said that Alfred Nobel will be remembered as a merchant of death. Well, he read that and he thought, that is not how I want to be remembered. That is not what I want to be remembered for and the rest. And so he began that day to change how he was going to be remembered. And he took his whole fortune and used it to come up with the Nobel Peace Prize. It was $9 million at the time. And, 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 it, and now he is remembered for some of the greatest acts of science, the greatest acts of peace, greatest acts of literature have been given the Nobel Prize. And that's what he's remembered for. If I ask everybody who invented dynamite most people wouldn't know if i ask who had the nobel peace prize they'd say i don't know his first name is but his last name's nobel i mean they would know who he is that's how he is remembered today and in a moment he decided i'm going to change how i'm remembered i want to ask you this morning how are you going to be remembered what are the moments that are going to come up in the lives of those around you and how, are you offering up places in your life and, and obe- places of obedience where God can come and change things, that God can come and make things different? And I want to ask you this morning, are you obeying God in every moment of your life? Because it's in the moments that we're remembered. It's in the moments where things happen that, that we can't bring back and we can't change and we can't make right again. It's in moments, and we have to obey moment by moment by moment. I have a, I'm not going to tell that story. 
It's in the moments of obedience that God is allowed to not do human things, but God is allowed to do God things. And don't you love to see things that only God can do? Don't you love to see changes in people that only God can bring about? We was talking in, uh, we was talking in Sunday school class this morning, and uh, a lady there was talking about addiction. And she said, I'm going to tell you, Pastor, she said, addiction can only be conquered when we allow God to come in and change that. Well, what happened in her life? What, you say, what has happened in her life? Well, I know what's happened. She's come to a place where she said, I cannot stand the way that I am anymore. And I am going to be obedient to God. And at that point of obedience, she's opened a door and God has come in and changed her and changed a place in her life where she thought she would never be the bride again. And it's at that place of obedience when we say, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do, that we open up a place and allow God to come in. I want us to stand this morning. I don't know where you are in your life today. I, I don't know what's going on in your life. But there might be some of you this morning that say, Pastor, I am not where I need to be. I am not. If something would happen to me right now, I would not be remembered how I want to be remembered. I am not what God would have me to be. And, and, and Pastor, there are some of these issues that I just cannot seem to get past on my own. I got good news for you this morning. You don't have to get past them on your own. God seeks to come into your life this morning and radically change you. But it is only when we obey. It is only when we open up and say, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. We can gripe about it all the time and say, well, this is just the way I am. And this is just the way my mom was. This is just the way my dad was. And this is just the way it is. And this is the way it is because this is where I work. And this is the way it is because this is the people that I live with. And this is the way it is because this is the people I work with. And this is the way it is because people I go to school with. Well, junk. I don't believe it. It's that way because you're not choosing to follow what God would have you to do. And you need to, in your life, say, okay, I am just going to lay me down and I am going to obey God. And it's at that point when we obey God that we open up a place and God can come in and change us and make us different and make us what he would have us to be. Is there a place like that in your life this morning? A place like that where you just need to say, God, I'm just going to let you have this. I'm going to let you have this attitude. I'm going to let you have this habit. I'm going to let you have whatever this is that's bugging me and whatever this is that's causing me not to be what you would have me to be. God, this morning, you have it. And when you do that, you open the door and God can come in. It's at our places of obedience that God can come in and do God things this morning. Does God need to do something in your life this morning? Let's be honest this morning. Let's just be honest today. Is there a spot in your life that God needs to come in and change? Don't leave here this morning the way you came. Come to the altar this morning and say, God, at this point, please come change me. I will be obedient to you and allow God to come in and have his way this morning. We're going to sing. As we sing this morning, if you need to pray, come and pray as we sing.